Med Tech Talk podcast listeners. This is your host, Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about money today, specifically reimbursement. I sat down with Steve Clark. He is a senior vice president at Optum Life Sciences, and uh, he and I had a great chat in Minneapolis at the offices of Fox Rothschild about what what medtechs need to do to get paid for their services and what the difference is between efficacy, which was a familiar term, and effectiveness, which is becoming increasingly important. So uh, Steve has a, a lot of insight in this space. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Before we start, though, uh, I do want to remind you that uh, the MedTech conference is coming up on June 1st. We'll, of course, be tackling reimbursement head-on, and I hope you'll be there to uh, to join us, to lend your insights, and I hope walk away with a, a few bits of knowledge that will help you on your way. So go to MedTechConference.com to register for the MedTech conference. It's happening on June 1st in Minneapolis at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. Now let's get into this conversation with Steve Clark of Optum. Hi, this is Tom Salemi from Healthogy. I'm here on location in Minneapolis, and I'm very happy to be joined by Steve Clark, Senior Vice President at Optum Life Sciences. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I look forward to our conversation. As do I. You've got a great background, and one of one pieces of one piece of that, just one piece, is you described yourself as a recovering medtech executive at our medtech conference. In June, you're on a panel with uh, Dennis War, and uh, what were you? What are you recovering from? What did you do in medtech? In medical technology, I had the, the the privilege and the honor of serving, you know, for leaders in the in the business, you know, from St. Jude Medical to Boston Scientific and SciMed, mm-hmm. uh, in marketing, sales, facility, as well as in the development of new technology. So. I guess what you would say, which uh, I'm recovering a little bit from the rush of innovation, but also, you know, the the hurdles that are being placed upon us. And I think the conversation that we're going to lend to today, which is how do we think about these new hurdles and how do we get forward and get beyond them? Yeah. Well, let's let's just get into those. What what are the hurdles uh, facing MedTech today pertaining to what Optum can help them with? Sure. You know, as we talked a little bit about at the conference, you know, the, the world in which MedTech is coming into has changed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. We now see that regulatory constraints, right, aren't the only constraints that they're going to face. So get it approved and sell it or commercialize it is no longer applicable. Uh, the economics of innovation are changing as well as the demands of the healthcare system beyond the regulatory are changing. An example, probably a primary example of that is we went from efficacy of the regulatory agency being the measure of success to now effectiveness of the payer or the stakeholder that cares about the economics of care at the delivery site, so uh, at the interventional. Is that just a different word or is it – what are the differences between efficacy and effectiveness? You know, we used to think that they were one and the same, but Mm -hmm. when you get down to the differences, one – Efficacy is done in a constrained environment in a population that's tested with the controls around them, including exclusion criteria, to meet the demands of an agency that is worried about safety and efficacy. Beyond that, when you move into effectiveness, you're trying to say, what will that technology or that intervention do in real world Mm -hmm. when when it's applied from hundreds of patients to thousands or millions of patients? And that's the difference because we know that the variances we're going to see are much greater. The likelihood of the results are much greater. And I will tell you, the big push is most clinical results are, are reported as a mean 
And if you're thinking about the economics of healthcare, the mean doesn't mean anything. The mean is meaningless? The mean it becomes less meaningful. <laughs> I wouldn't say meaningless, but I would say less meaningful because you start to get concerned that most of the patients that get new interventions are those that are on the more costly side of the curve. Uh-huh. And, and you've never tested in it, so you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's real world. I wonder what the difference is. Is it the device itself just not functioning as well in that real-world environment, or is it maybe the friction that comes along with using that device? Maybe the, if you're in a clinical trial, obviously you have to use a device if, or whatever the technology is. If you're in the real world, you might say, you know what, that's kind of hard to use. I'm going to go with this old tried-and-true method. Is it- I, I think that's a little bit of a, you know, what the, what the parameters are that I would put around it is you're starting to treat patients that have comorbidities, or things that aren't reflected in clinical trials, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, for example, if you're treating a patient with heart failure, uh, they're likely going to have diabetes. They're likely going to have COPD. Right. They're likely going to have some other comorbidity or clinical sequelae that's as a result, and that aren't reflected in trials. And that has a dramatic impact. The other thing that we know and where big data is starting to take us is that the impact of socioeconomics, the impact of exposure to healthcare or healthcare systems, of patient behavior, and all that has as much of an impact as the intervention. And we don't know how to measure that in a clinical trial, yet that's a measure that's put upon technologies when they come to the market, mm-hmm. when patients in the real world get treated. And they may or may not succeed as a result of those other parameters that we don't have any real notion of how, the, how it's going to work. Wow. So is that effectiveness or, or are we getting then into, into value? You know, it's, effectiveness leads into value, okay. quite honestly, because effectiveness means how will a technology, whatever it is, play in Peoria, you know, to, to use the, the old <laughs> slang. But how will a technology work? in a population that's being treated in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, the results of that then translate into value. A perfect example is if you have a clinical trial that says you get a mean response of 50, right? Whatever the number is, mm-hmm. the, the thought process is, well, a lot of patients then respond less than 50. And if 50 is the value threshold, right, only those on the right side of the equation actually have value and those on the left side should never be treated. Yet when we go out and we take that approach because everybody, uh, the mean value is 50, it's everybody that looks like them is treated. So we have to understand effectiveness relating to value based upon what is the response they're going to get and how is it going to play out versus something else. Hey, everyone. Tom here. just want to take a quick break to remind you to sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter so you have this podcast sent directly to your inbox. Go to medtechconference.com. Just give us your email. We'll send it out your way. You'll get a, a podcast with uh, folks who are helping us with the MedTech Conference, but others in MedTech who are just doing really cool stuff that I like to talk about. So go to MedTechConference.com, sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter, and uh, you will never miss uh, an important story in MedTech. Now back to this conversation with Steve Clark. How deep has, the, the, has value penetrated MedTech? Is it something that everyone is seeing and recognizing and, 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 and steering their company or their product development toward answering the question of value, or is it still very much a a foreign term for many? I think we're in the nascent stages Mm -hmm. of the the term value being applied to the development aspect as well as the general commercialization approach within med tech. It's not that they're not thinking about it 
or they're not doing it. They're just not doing it to the extent that the system is gearing up to be able to look at it. Mm -hmm. Perfect example is payers or providers have a lot of data at their disposal that allows them to analyze a population that they're thinking about. So if you're bringing a technology to the market, for example, in a patient population which you've treated in a clinical trial, 250 patients, the likelihood of a regent's or a large payer provider is they're going to have thousands of patients that have that same type of diagnosis, and they're going to be able to compare the treatment in thousands of patients versus 250, so your power right, gets to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the areas where we're falling short in med tech. And the other one is really comparing versus standard of care versus placebo or versus nothing. Mm-hmm. right? And that's a hard thing in medical technology because it's an intervention versus, you know, placebo taking a sugar pill, for example. But those are are priorities that we need to get at. And there are methods using data analytics, population health analytics, risk profiles, things like that, that we can get at that are very, very early in the discussions with med tech. Are some, some subspecialties, some disease states, are they going to be more effective than others just because some, are, some diseases are just a lot more complex than perhaps others are? I think so, right? And I'll give you a perfect example is when you look at what CMS is doing in bundled payment, the reason they're doing you know bundled payment or you know um, programs that are uh, demonstration in nature mm-hmm. is because the the populations are larger, right? orthopedic cardiovascular respiratory. they're they're larger. There's a greater disparity of care. They have a long tail on them, which is from the mean, it's a five sigma on the right side in which a small portion of patients cost a lot Mm -hmm. to the healthcare system. So just by the nature of how patients present, uh, that there will be different priorities in different therapy areas, as well as just the chronicity of disease. So those are factors that are influencing how people look at it and where they place priorities as well. Where are the physicians placing their priority? Are the clinical societies behind this effort? Are they recognizing value, or are they still just focused on efficacy or effectiveness? I think the clinical societies are going to play a major role in defining value as well as in delivering value to the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. A perfect example is guidelines, right? Most guidelines are developed in concert with evidence right, and the professional societies, if you will. Those guidelines are then used to inform treatment decisions as well as they're picked up by the people that have value constraints, uh, the payers and the others that are thinking about how they do it. So that becomes a primary source of information that assigns, you know, who gets what. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's also a value component of where med tech needs to go. You need to think through how does it fit in a guideline? How does it transfer from current standard of care? What's that patient population that would be relegated to this or benefit by this? Because a lot of times we miss that. You know, and we take the general approach, well, if we do that, then we're we're narrowing our market population. Whereas I'll flip it on its edge, says if we do that, we're gonna know in best whom it works and in whom it's most valuable. And that's really where the societies will help and really become a partner in development with MedTech. And are the providers in line with your thinking as well? I'd have to think they would be. I think the providers are, again, early on in this overall approach. Um, Most providers will use experience, as they know, and then guidelines. Uh, But what they're learning is that data, their own data, 
right, as well as data surrounded by others, will become valuable to them as they're treating patients. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, and others have those data repositories at their disposal so they can look at what have they done, what's worked, what's worked best. They can do risk assessments. They know within the risk of a population uh, you know who benefits from certain treatments and who doesn't, and they can also look at physicians that are handling populations and look at how physicians score in their management of that from an outcomes base as well as an economics base. So uh, they're going to be well involved in value, and I think that's where they're going to start seeing med tech in the future, which is what value does it provide to me in managing the population which I'm at risk for now? How are you communicating all this to the med tech industry? It's difficult. No. <laughs> what what um, the, a couple of different parameters that Optum and United think about, which is the transparency or the availability of information, so that informed decisions are make being made. Uh, and the best thing that we can do is work in concert with med tech devices, mm-hmm. device companies, work in concert with professional societies, work in concert with providers. Uh, to get information into the hands of the provider. So at the interface of the patient and provider, during that conversation, it's available. So the best decision is being made. Interesting. And should this be seen, the the, the, the um, focus on value and on effectiveness, is this really, I mean, a positive for MedTech? It's seen as it's seen as another challenge. I mean, anytime you have to prove something or, or take another step or spend money on getting the data to convince that someone else that your product works can be seen as a negative. But I suppose this is what we should be all about, proving whatever we're doing, proving what MedTech devices are doing, proving that they actually work in a real setting. Is, it, is this a positive for the sector? I think it is a positive for the sector. You're going to have winners and losers. The winners are going to be big winners, and the losers are going to fall out fast. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say it's a positive is healthcare in the U.S. is going to a risk-based or outcomes-based, performance-based standard. More and more providers are being paced, based upon, paid excuse me, based upon what they're delivering. The new federal legislation on MACRA and alternative payment models is going to be based upon outcomes and satisfaction that they deliver. So the system itself is being geared up and oriented around risk or outcomes-based performance and payment. So med tech has to be in that game because mm-hmm. if they're not, they're going to be left behind. And, and the adage that I have is if you don't do it, it will be done to you because those with the data or those with the patient population and the management, they're not going to guess, mm-hmm. right? They, it isn't let's try it and see how it works. It, they're going to say, no, uh, until you show us, we're not going to use it. And that you, the adage used to be I can get a physician to use it. And I think now it's going to be that physician is going to scrutinize it just a little bit more and say, how does it fit? Where does it fit? Why does it fit? And what's it worth? So it sounds as if the winners and the losers might be determined. Technology, of course, will be essential, but knowledge and understanding of all of this can make a big difference for a company. Absolutely. You know, you have to have the clinical benefit, right? You have to start with that. It has to be demonstrated. The knowledge, the transparency of information, the information flowing out on how it reacts in a real world, how it reacts in a population that that physician or that payer is seeing is key because if you don't have it, again, they're not going to guess, right? They're going to go back. They're going to look. They're going to provide information back, and they're going to say yes or no based upon that. Excellent. Well, thank you for taking a few minutes for joining us. Thank you for your time. And that is a wrap. Thanks, MedTech Talk Podcast listeners, for joining us. Thank you, Steve Clark, for taking a few minutes in uh, in December. I was going to say last month, but no, a month and a half ago, uh, to share your insights on uh, on reimbursement and uh, 
be sure we'll be tackling this head on at the MedTech Conference coming up on June 1st. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please do take a minute or so to give us a, uh, a ranking on uh, iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to. That helps us know uh, how well we're doing and it helps others find the podcast. And uh, if you have a friend or colleague who loves MedTech innovation as much as you do, please uh, let them know about the podcast. And of course, you're welcome to email me directly, tom at healthedgy.com. Healthedgy is spelled the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Healthedgy is a company that produces the MedTech Talk podcast and the MedTech Conference. So uh, I would love to hear from you, love to hear comments about the podcast and uh, just uh, some thoughts about the conference as well or uh, potential subjects for the conference or guests for the podcast. It's, uh, it, just feel free to say hello, too. I'd love to hear from folks in MedTech. So that's it. Uh, go to MedTechConference.com to register for the conference on June 1st, and we will see you in Minneapolis. <laughs>